Hello, hello. Welcome back. What's up, everyone? Thanks for coming back and checking us out on our second episode. You know what we forgot to do last episode? What? We never introduced ourselves. <laughs> so my <laughs> name's Ashley. <laughs> my name's Ashley. I'm Alfredo. Okay. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So tonight we are going to get into the case of John Wayne Gacy. I am very excited for this one. I did a lot of research into this one. There's a lot of information to go over, so it should be a pretty fun episode. I mean, he was a creepy guy, so... He dressed up as a clown. That's creepy enough for me. Yeah, just that. It's pretty creepy. And then all the stuff he actually did is horrendous. Yeah, definitely. He's a messed up guy. But uh, we'll kind of talk about the psychology behind him and his childhood and all that. But anyway, so we were sick the past couple of days. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of messed up our schedule. We... We're trying to do this weekly, and then we submitted it from SoundCloud to iTunes, and it took him over a week to approve it. So that whole time we were waiting, and then by the time they approved it, we were sick, and we're still kind of getting over it, but we didn't want to record, but we figure it's, we've waited long enough, and we're feeling a little bit better, so we'll go ahead and get the second episode out, and we're kind of changing, changing uh, gears here. We went from... Uh, a little bit of a conspiracy on the last week's episode, 27 Club, and now we're going to some true crime. So yeah, we're trying to pretty much give it our all. Um, and since we got sick, uh, you'll hear our ghost stories after Halloween. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> <clears throat> By the time this comes out, it might already be Halloween. Yeah, so... It's already pretty close, but... Yeah, we'll throw in our little Halloween bit after, so... <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We'll get them all in <laughs> week after week. Yeah, so what are you drinking tonight? So tonight I'm drinking um, Ridge Hop IPA from Alaskan Brewing Company. And I'm a huge fan of Alaskan Brewing. Uh... I mean, I love IPAs. This one is not my favorite by them because they have a bunch of different IPAs and pale ales. But it is, I mean, a good IPA. And they make it with Ozaka hops. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's um, supposed supposed to be some hops from Australia. I don't know. I didn't look too much into it, but it <laughs> tastes good. It's 7.3 ABV, 57 IBUs, not too hoppy. I usually like my IPAs really happy, but it's nice to have them a little bit more on the smooth side from now, uh, like now and again, you know. <laughs> it is a good IPA, and sometimes I do get their their uh, their mix where they include all their IPAs and pale ales, and yeah. it always comes with it. So it is still one of my favorites. Just they have a lot to choose from, but um, it's a good beer. Pretty smooth for an IPA, but still high ABVs for how smooth it is. It's pretty crazy. And uh, like I said, Alaskan is actually one of my favorite breweries, which we haven't been to the Alaskan brewery, but <laughs> it's one of the few breweries that I can say they I can really drink and enjoy just about every beer, if not every beer that they have and that they come out with. Yeah. And what about you? What are you drinking today? I have just the Alaskan Amber, <clears throat> and it's just from... Of course, Alaskan Brewing, and that's in Juneau, and you spent some time up in Alaska, right? Yeah, that's actually something I wanted to include, is just, just, yeah, the, um, 
like getting to spend that time in Alaska is also probably part of the reason why I love Alaskan brewing. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't old enough to drink at that time, but <laughs> it's still nice, you know, Legally. to yeah, <laughs> to see or and drink a beer from the places you've been and all that. And I really loved being in Alaska. It's a beautiful place, one of the few really out there in the wild wilderness places. Even if you're in the city or a town, you're it's not that big, and there's really wildlife all over the place. So yeah, yeah. If you guys get to go to Alaska, I would definitely go. And if you're from Alaska, that's awesome. <laughs> I definitely want to try to go back. But tell us a little bit about your beer. So this one's uh, it's like a deep amber, and it has intense orange highlights. And it's it says it has like a banana-like aroma, <laughs> but I can't smell the banana. I don't know. Yeah, you said it smelled like rotten bananas. Yeah, maybe. Well, like when the... That's kind but of I mean, I like rotten bananas, but I mean like when the... It's a ripe what, banana. It's browning already. That's what I mean. <laughs> banana so, and bread. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it's really good. Um, like, if you listen to our first episode, I don't know too much about these beers, so I'm still getting along with it, trying to pair them and stuff, but we frequent... Uh, brewery in Fort Collins, Equinox. Shout out to Equinox. <laughs> um, and I've been trying a lot of different uh, beers there, different brews, and they're pretty good. So Yeah, and I'm I'd say you've come a long way with even noticing the little, the, the little tones yeah. and flavors here and there, and you could actually tell the differences in taste and all that. Duck on my Corona and Lime, too. <laughs> <laughs> ipas and stuff but yeah so if you guys didn't listen to our first episode we are brews and oddities so we pretty much like to incorporate different brews into our stories or what we're talking about so you'll get that along with whatever topic we're going to be covering for the night and it's really something we like to incorporate into everything we do i mean we're huge into the outdoors and adventures and stuff like that and any of you guys that are into the adventures and some of those hardcore adventure sports or just really being outside and enjoying life, you would you can relate. Um, we'll just go either before or after or during if we're fishing or something. Yeah. <laughs> Incorporate some good craft beer and take in the the scenes and all that and so this is that's something we wanted to incorporate into our podcast to really try to give it our own spin our own spin yeah yeah. but anyways like ashley said this week we are doing a true crime episode on john wayne gacy and we hope you guys enjoy it's actually a really dark true story (laughs) so let's get on in all right so he was born on march 17th in the year of 1942 and he was born in chicago and his parents were of danish and polish descent and let me just say his father was a freaking asshole he he did not it seems like he just did not care for uh for gacy he was he abused him physically mentally all of it he abused all all the kids but he mainly was after uh, John himself. So he would 
belittle him he would he would hit him with a razor strap i didn't know what a razor strap was <laughs> i had to look that up and it's like a, like a piece of leather yeah you, i don't even think i've seen what that is yeah it's ugh, this poor kid <laughs> well yeah so, so oh yeah it's hard to point the blame you say this poor kid and then you think of the horrible things yeah that he's done, and then so, you kind of see how he was raised and grew up and i mean it's who knows it's crazy to think of where these things, these ideas and dark thoughts and stuff come from. And but. we're we're Hispanic, so we got the belt <laughs> and the fly swatter and the sandal. So, <laughs> I mean, we're not out here killing people. So, uh, who knows? But, so, his mom, she would try and protect him. But she was often on the end of the father's abuse. Yeah. And he, Gacy was sick a lot from ages 14 to 18. And he had a mysterious illness along with a ruptured appendix. And while Gacy was in the hospital at a young age, his father came in and told him, stop faking it. You're faking it. And he's like, that, just got my appendix taken out. Like, how how am I faking this? That's pretty intense acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty crazy to get the doctor and nurse to go along with all that, right? So he was pretty much, nothing he could do was right in his father's eyes. And we'll get more into that. But this started at a very young age that he was just, he was trying to get the acceptance of his father. And it's just not something that was going to happen. So, um, so, so yeah. when John Wayne Gacy, when he was six years old, I mean, he'd been through a lot and all that stuff, but this is kind of where it starts to show maybe he was a problem child. Maybe it was for attention or mm-hmm. he just didn't know right from wrong or whatever. But when he was six, he stole the truck from a store, um, but his mother made him go return it. And he had to go apologize and all of that. Yeah. So, and then this was... Okay, so there's a huge difference from six years old stealing a truck, right? Stealing a piece of candy, stealing... (laughs) All right, all right. Maybe you're not going to think something's going to go wrong later in life. But at the age of seven, he and another boy were actually accused of, of molesting a younger girl. And both of these events resulted in beatings by his father. So, and that's pretty crazy mm-hmm. to think at seven years old. It doesn't make it right no matter how old no. anybody is, but at seven years old to be doing that sort of thing. Yeah. That's that's pretty bad. And I mean, you got to think that's terrible for the little girl as well. Oh, definitely. And then just imagine how like she grew up and just knowing that that was oh, yeah. the man that molested her as a child <laughs> Did when so he was many, a child. Yeah. yeah. So that's... Crazy things later on. That's very crazy. Um, and then... But he was molested by a family member at the age of seven as well. Uh, I mean, not a family member. I'm sorry. A family friend. And um, he didn't... He didn't want to tell his parents because he was afraid that he was going to get punished by his father. And this was going to be his fault yeah and his father is was actually very homophobic and very outspoken about um gays and 
and that way of life. He he hated it and he made it very known. So this was also something uh, Gacy was afraid of, that he was going to be tormented by it because his father was so homophobic. And that's really sad because he was the one that was molested and he was scared to tell his father yeah, because he seven. thought his father would be mad at him and judge him because he was molested by another male. Yeah. So this is something that he he kept to himself for a long time. And then, so later on in life, um, Casey ended up moving to Las Vegas in 1962. And he, he got a job at a mortuary. <laughs> <laughs> And he would sleep behind the embalming room. And this, oh God, like, I don't even know. He climbed into a coffin of a teenage boy and he cuddled up next to the body. And then he said that he got disgusted, so he hopped on out. (laughs) So that's just so upsetting to think, like, that you're, okay, you already lost your teenage son and then to come to find out if they found out, or I mean later in life if they found out, the family, that this um, killer like actually laid next to your, oh, yeah. your, your dead son. Your deceased son. Yeah. So that's just pretty intense. And that kind of tells you of the mind state he was in or he's been in for years if he gets the job at a mortuary. And one of the things that he does is go ahead and cuddle up next to a dead body, especially a young boy's body. A teenage boy. Yeah, yeah let's just point that out. Body. A teenage boy because the all of his victims were either teenager, teen, teen boys or young men. That's pretty much all his victims. So, I mean, this started at that age in life. Yeah, and... Something weird to kind of point out, but also a big part of the story, is that he was showing these signs and doing kind of these crazy things, especially at a young age or even early on in his young adult life. Mm -hmm. But he actually really, for much of his life, was like an upstanding citizen. He was a role model, pretty much, to a lot of other people. Yeah, so maybe he tried to suppress what was really inside of him yeah but we'll come to a point where we talk about it where he just he could not anymore there was he was yearning so for so much more he had he had it good he had a wife he had kids he had a job and slowly he earned some acceptance from his father but it was going along but this still could not stop what was to become yeah it really makes you question if uh if he was just trying to hide who he really was Mm -hmm. or if he was really really besides all the crazy stuff he did Mm -hmm. not a bad person really trying to make an an impact and a difference out there and to touch on what we're really trying to what we're really talking about is that um during his young adult life gacy became an assistant precinct captain for his democratic party well, for the Democratic Party's candidate. And a lot of people speculate that it was just to get acceptance from his father. But it seems like he didn't really gain that from his father because he ended up calling him a patsy and a bunch of other stuff like that. Yeah, so... 
after the whole um, Las Vegas incident, he ended up moving back to Illinois and he attended uh, Northwest Business College and he graduated in 1963. And after that, he met his first wife, Marilyn, I'm sorry, Marley, Marlin, Marlin Myers. And they married and moved to Waterloo, Iowa. And then they would go on to have two children. And Marlin's father, actually, he purchased three KFCs in the area. And Gacy went on to manage them. So, you know, he was, he was a, he married, he was a father, and he was managing KFCs. Yeah, married <laughs> with children and a good job and all that. and Yeah. And he joined the JCs. So the JCs is an organization that teaches leadership and they offer like civic opportunities for their members and stuff. And he actually became vice president. So <laughs> Yeah, there's another instance of him really showing that effort that he puts forward and really becoming that more outstanding citizen and all that. Mm-hmm. Or it seems, you know, at mm-hmm. least. So like he has his head on, right? Yeah. <laughs> but let's not forget the JCs had a dark side of their own. Rumored. Um, yeah. probably true yeah <laughs> so they participated in prostitution wife swapping and they did a lot of drugs <laughs> <laughs> and gacy was taking part in all of this and he ended up opening his basement he had young people especially boys that would come and drink and do drugs with him or he provided them to the to the teens yeah i just want to know where his wife and kids yes! were and all that. <laughs> the whole, everything that I found, that I've seen. We'll get more into that with his second wife when the killings actually started happening. But like, oh, you where broke it to the them too hell early. Where are they? It's a true crime episode. It could have gone any way. Now they know it's about murder. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> he got ticketed for jaywalking. But no, yeah, that's a lot. Where I'm like. Where was the wife? Where was... And I think... Okay, not trying to put women of this decade in a certain category, but 1960s, where where were the women, mainly? At home, right? In the house. Homemakers. So where was she? Or was she participating in this? But I don't know. Well, I mean, if he grew up in an abusive relationship, maybe he was the same way. Yeah. So she was just taking care of her, her and her kids and kind of turning a blind eye until it got too bad, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I, that's what I would want to know. Like, where the hell? <laughs> so he would, I'm sorry, he would make advances towards these young boys. He'd be like, hey, you know, hint, hint. Give me some oral or let me give some oral to you or something. And when they rejected him, he'd play it off as a joke. Like, just kidding. Not really happening. So, yeah, he, he would just play off the advances he'd make towards these, these boys. Yeah, kind of testing the waters, if yeah. you will. Trying to see what he can get away with. And, and if they didn't like it or he couldn't get away with it, he would just say he was joking pretty much. Yeah, and this was actually the point where where Gacy started to earn some respect and some acceptance from his father. And the, and you would think this is what Gacy had been longing for, and he got it, 
And that's <clears throat> just, it still wasn't enough to make him happy with his, his life. So, so we'll go ahead and get into his, his first victim. He, he, the first victim was a 15-year-old, and he was actually the son of a fellow member um, of the JC Club, and his name, the a fellow member, his name was Daniel Verhees. I don't know, Voorhees. Sorry, we jacked that up. But um, he Gacy gave the boy alcohol and forced him to perform oral sex. And this was actually around the time that several other boys were assaulted by Gacy. And he would tell the he would tell them that it was part of a science project. And he would pay these boys 50 bucks. $50. To shut up. And that it was all for science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, this this kid, the 16-year-old, the Vrugri's boy, he didn't stay quiet. And he actually reported this assault because... An, I'm sorry, the 15-year-old. And, and he reported the assault because another 16-year-old was... He attempted to assault yeah. the 16-year-old. So, this is when the Vrugri's boy uh, decided to say something. And, of course, Gacy denied everything. And let me say this about Gacy. Gacy, he was such a cunning man. He knew how to speak. Every, like you said, every, he was respected. He tried to get away. He tried his best to get away. And he denied everything. And he, he actually requested a polygraph test. And it showed, of course, that he was nervous when he was asked about the accusations. And he ended up blaming the assault on a... Um, that it was a political motive by another power-hungry member of the Jaycees. Because let's remember, Gacy was the vice president. So he tried using that to his, his advantage, saying that someone wanted to take over and that this was all just made up for that reason. What power does to people <laughs> and how they think everyone's out to get yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1968, the indictment was handed down in the case, and Gacy started to become desperate. Like, he paid his KFC employee, Russell Schroeder, Schroeder uh, $300 to attack Bruce. And he, but the idiot, uh, Russell Schroeder, at the time of the attack, he. He sprayed him with mace, and he he beat him. And while he was beating him, he was yelling at the Vrugis boy, "Don't testify against Casey! Don't testify <laughs> against Casey!" So I don't I don't know if he was trying to kill him, or if he was trying because Vrugis got away, the boy got away, but or he was actually thinking he was gonna scare him enough. That he wouldn't testify, he wouldn't say anything. But the idiot was yelling, "Don't testify against yeah. Casey! Don't testify against Casey!" So and it's actually good <laughs> that he did testify against them. Yeah, he did go on. Yeah, I wonder if any of these actually these things happened and people kept their mouth shut because of it. Oh, I'm sure because look at that time. You don't the times that they were in. This was just not spoken of. This, you would maybe he felt that same way because I what I was thinking. Is that what if he, a Gacy himself, was going back into the shame that he felt when he was seven years old, thinking, okay, this 15 year old boy is not going to say anything because I remember that shame 
So maybe I'll he'll keep quiet oh, too. Yeah, you know what I mean? So maybe he had that thinking in his head, but that it did not go that way. And that's really good for Ruhis. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's what, in my mind, that's what I was thinking, that he just went back to what happened to him. And, you know, shame, 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 shame. I felt shame. And this boy is not going to speak after what happened to me. And he shouldn't speak what happened to him. So the Gacy was ended up, being convicted of sodomy and he was sentenced to 10 to 10 years and that's when his wife filed for divorce and she won and she left with her two that's a good reason too <laughs> yeah she left with, right she left with her two children and gacy never saw the three of them again and you know like i said gacy was just this great citizen he and- finds a way to to make his own way, pretty much. Yeah, he does. He really, really... He he was really good at that. And he was an upstanding inmate. <laughs> and he he became head cook. And he... There is a freaking JC's chapter in the prison. <laughs> so... How convenient. How great these guys were, right? <laughs> so... um, He even got a pay increase for the inmates. Like, he was, like, trying to, like, care for them and everything, like, show that he was such a, like, a great guy. And, unfortunately, he only, he only ended up serving 18 months of so those 10 years. That's crazy. Yeah. You, the, 18 months, a year and a half, when he gets sentenced for 10, 10. years. Could you imagine he if He must have been a good cook. <laughs> he was head cook. That chili was bomb, bro. <laughs> but, anyway, um... Could you imagine if he actually stayed in prison for those 10 years? How maybe all of this could have been avoided? I don't know if it would have been avoided or so. pushed back, but that's just crazy. Yeah, so it says he was It's crazy how he could manipulate everybody. Everywhere he, every situation he's been in, he's been able to manipulate people. Find his way out. Yeah. And it says that he was released on parole, but I saw somewhere else that he was released due to prison overcrowding. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was good and it was overcrowded, so they let him go. So, before this, actually, um, there was rumors going around that he was about his sexual preferences. And, you know, I don't know. Did he ever deny if he was gay? I'm not sure. I'm wondering, like, did he deny it or because he was just kind of taking out like he focused on young men and teens because of his father because he just had his father had so much hatred towards him but who knows um so you would think after getting off with a year and a half of a 10-year sentence he would change his life around right but that didn't end up happening because he went on to uh, purchase a home at 8213 West Summerdale Road Avenue, sorry, in Cook County, Iowa. And this is where that this is the house that the murders took place in. And he would actually keep most of the bodies in too while he was there. <laughs> he kept like all the bodies, <laughs> but his crawl space got so freaking packed. He had to start dumping bodies in the river. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Desperate times call for desperate measures. True, true. <laughs> so he ended up reuniting with a high school flame. Her name was Carol Hoff. Uh, they went on to marry, and she had two children that they ended up moving in. Two daughters. Moving in with him, at that house on, on Summerdale. And Gacy ended up starting a construction company called PDM. He was pretty successful yeah. in his his endeavor and all that, and and you would think that the success and his new wife and family and all that stuff would be able to push him straight on the narrow straight and narrow path and all that, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't enough to keep his like dark desires at yeah. bay and all that stuff. So uh, they were still brewing. Yeah, yeah. You'd think so many times he's had. I wouldn't say the picture-perfect life, but he's had... A good life. A good a life. Good his life. head in the right place and all that. It looks like it. Mm-hmm. So I, who knows if that was a facade or whatever, but here's another instance where he seems like he's got everything going for him, and then in 1973, <laughs> during a business trip, he was looking to purchase property in Florida, and Gacy attacked a young employee in their hotel room. Uh, and after... The rape of the employee spent the night on the beach refusing to share the room with Gacy. Yeah, who would want to stay in the same room after being raped by him? <laughs> so yeah, this kid, like, he's like, no, not. Um, so. We're having to catch up here. We, uh, well, Ashley has a cat and it's a fat cat. No, she's not. She likes to eat, and our son just dumped out the whole bag of cat food, so we had to go upstairs and go... <laughs> Damage control. Pick it all up, so who knows where we are, but Gacy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So he ended up um, raping the kid. He, The kid didn't say anything, and um, they ended up going home, and uh, when they returned home, he waited, the, the young man waited for Gacy, and he ended up beating the shit out of Gacy. And Gacy's mother-in-law actually stepped in to stop it. And, of course, Gacy lied to his wife and told her that this kid was upset because Gacy didn't want to pay him for the bad work that he did. And she believed him. So, that didn't go anywhere, pretty much. So, it just ended at that. And then, um, later, Gacy ended up working for the Democratic Party in his community that he served in. And... He did that for three years, and he took a picture with the first lady, Rosalind Carter. And um, this is when the clown was born. (laughs) Creepy clown. Did you know that there's a Jolly Joker clown club? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if they still exist. I know. Probably not. Fuck clowns. I hate clowns. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, this is when Pogo or Patches the Clown was born and he would perform at the de- Democratic parties and, and at community events and that's kind of weird yeah and he have your clowns perform I clowns know. perform at a Democratic party convention shit. or meeting or whatever what you guys got going on there uh, and this makes me sick he would go to children's hospitals and like like, were these kids left alone with him or what happened? You know? Ugh. Yeah, especially I, really sick children. And yeah. And they think the clowns are there to help them or 
be nice to them and all that, you know. But just... who knows if anything did happen. But also maybe he went back because he wanted to cheer those kids up because he was also a child in the hospital for yeah, know, that's true. four years of his life, pretty much. Kind of make amends and... Yeah, try to cheer them up, fucking weirdo. But, okay, so I, I don't know anything about clowns because I hate them, once again. Um, so it, it said that they go with like traditional soft lines around their mouths when they like draw their smiley face. But Gacy used to do sharp lines at the corner of his mouth, making him even more scary. So he opted for that instead of making it soft so that it's not so scary for the children. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and who knows what the thinking behind that was. Yeah, so, yeah. And then, so, okay. This is what I think led Gacy to actually start murdering. Um, he, in 1972, he picked up a 16-year-old. His name was Timothy Jack McCoy. And he picked him up from a local Greyhound terminal. And this is pretty much, the bus terminals were where he would pick up a lot of the young boys, the teens, the young men. He would go there, he would frequent it, and he would get them and promise them a cool evening or whatever. <laughs> and that's how a lot of these boys And he promised he'd take them back to the terminal in the morning. Yeah, so he, he, he picked up McCoy. He, they went sightseeing, and then he let... Where the fuck was his wife? He was still married at this time, let's, let's remember that. So the second wife, again, <laughs> like, nowhere. Um, and... He brought him to his house, and he told him that, yeah, he would go back and take him to the terminal in the morning. And according to Gacy, he found McCoy standing over him with a knife, and Gacy tackled McCoy, and he eventually killed him. And um, that's his first victim under his crawl space, under a layer of concrete. And then Gacy ended up walking into the freaking kitchen, and he saw that breakfast was laid out. And there was an uncut slab of bacon. Bacon's good. (laughs) So it's possible that what ended up happening is McCoy went into his room, to Gacy's room, to tell him about breakfast. And he just happened to have the knife. And Gacy mistook it as him trying to, as McCoy trying to attack Gacy. And this is what happened that probably led to the... Murders, because he even said, Gacy himself said that he enjoyed the mind-numbing orgasm that he felt during this killing. (laughs) So, okay, so this, you have to realize that this is probably what Gacy's been searching for. He had his jobs, he had his wives, he had his his career, he had his clown thing. He, He was always in periods of his life that he was doing good. But then he describes this as a mind numbing orgasm. Yeah, that's very precise words to yeah. describe the yeah. murder yeah. of your first victim, your first young teenage boy yeah, so that you end up killing. So this is probably the thrill that he's been, that he had been looking for, that he needed, because nothing else ever sufficed. So later on, in three years later, in 1975, uh, Gacy was working long hours. About like 12 to 16 hours a day. That's a lot of chicken. <laughs> if he's still working there. I don't know if he is at this time. No. He probably is, no? No, he's working for the 
like the construction company. Oh yeah, that's right. His own company. Yeah, he left the. Chicken. Oh, that makes sense. Then. He left the chicken business. <laughs> That's so, finger looking good. Oh god. <laughs> Maybe you get sued for copyright. <laughs> um so this is the phrase he used was cruising for men. You know, not cruising just to chill. He'd go cruise for men. And he'd just go drive around picking up boys and he'd go torture and murder them. And this was a craft to him and he grew in it. He started developing techniques to subdue them and to kill them easier because you know fucking murdering is really really hard and <laughs> gotta make it easy on yourself so he ended up doing a handcuff trick and this <laughs> the <laughs> yeah this sucks the poor guys would actually place the handcuffs on themselves and they'd get caught so he would give them alcohol and drugs and he'd tell them that he wanted to show them some of his fucking clown tricks and he, once he had them handcuffed, they couldn't fight back. He did a rope trip, and this was just Gacy using a rope as a makeshift tourniquet, and he would strangle his victims. So, I gotta say, that's probably a terrible way to die. Yeah. I've practiced using tourniquets on arms and legs, and just as practice in case of emergencies and stuff, and it is painful. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it makes sense how it stops the bleeding, especially if you have a, a severe wound about a tourniquet, if he's using it to strangle them around their necks. Yeah, he mainly just strangled to kill. That's got to be pretty terrible. Yep. So in 1976, Carol was like, I'm out. Bye. Another one. <laughs> Funny thing is, on the divorce papers, it was listed that Gacy was having infidelities with other women. <laughs> Yeah, Gacy was over here fucking tracking down young men to kill that he would share in the house that he shared with Carol and her daughters since the year of 1972. Since 72, and that was in 76, so four years. Four years. Of that type of thing going on. Mm-hmm. So she thought he was cheating with other women, but <laughs> that just wasn't the case. And um, so... Like, he, like we said, he had that outstanding citizen image and and all that, mm -hmm. picture-perfect life, white picket fence and all that. And I mean, that's something he just really couldn't keep up because no. neighbors ended up talking and talking about his activities and his personality and the hours he would go in and out of the house and lights on and off and all that. <clears throat> and there was actually one neighbor that ended up claiming that they heard screams and sounds of suffering coming from his house in the in the middle of the night. Yeah. So he couldn't keep up with it. That was that it started falling apart for him. And then so in total he committed 33 murders mm -hmm. and 23 of them were teenage boys and this happened between 1976 and 1978. And, of course, he had the bodies under the crawl space. And, <laughs> can you believe this? Gacy had young male employees dig trenches in his crawl space. And they would actually spread lime for him, uh, unknowing to them that this was actually, the lime was to help with the de decomposition of the bodies. That doesn't sound like it's on the job description. No. So, here they were um, digging trenches for... His murdered victims. Mm-hmm. 
So crazy, crazy, crazy. And eventually he ended up running out of space in his crawl space. That's how many murders he committed. He ran out of space in his crawl space at his home. Yeah. And the next best thing was for him to begin. He began to dump bodies into the De Plains River. Yeah. And there was one victim that actually survived it. Um, he was left for dead. And his name was Jeffrey Rig- Rignall. And the sad thing was he just he couldn't place Gacy as his attacker. So he he didn't know. So that was... He pretty much got away with that. And then, um, you know, he committed all those murders and then we all slip up from time to time, right? Um, that's what he did. He, he was at a pharmacy and he met a 15 year old named Robert Peist, Peist, and this Robert was actually referred to most commonly as number 33. And um, victim thirty three. Victim thirty three, and um, he uh, Gacy offered Peace a job, and he told him that this, this would pay much better than his job at the pharmacy, and that he would he would hire him. And um, Peace, the good thing is, he told his mom about the job offer before leaving to meet with Gacy, and when he re- failed to return home that night his mom actually reported him as missing. And Gacy went on to, of course, he denied it. I never met the kid. I don't know. And there was actually more than one witness that placed him at the pharmacy offering this kid a job. So, (laughs) yeah. So Gacy was actually put under constant surveillance. And he offered the detectives breakfast. And they went in. And Gacy told told the detectives, you know, Clowns can get away with murder. <laughs> like, what? I think maybe he was starting to fall apart. I have no maybe idea. Maybe just... I wish I could say what was going on in his mind, but that's way too much to speculate on. <laughs> yeah, so... He ended up trying to file a suit with the De- against the De Plains Police Department because he wanted them to stop their ceaseless monitoring. And they, it took two searches for the detectives to notice a smell was coming from the air ducts. And this is because the detectives claimed that the first time the air ducts were much cooler and the air was warmer the second time. And this made the smell of rotting bodies um, more present in the home. That's gross. Right. Like, how could you live like that? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, you put an air freshener in your car, and you smell it the first couple uh, days, then you come back, and you're used to it, you don't smell it anymore, uh, but you'd think you'd be able to tell, too. And Like, we've had our trash can smell like something was friggin' dead in it. Oh, my God. It's the most disgusting thing in the world. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So... I don't know. Fucking crazy. How can you just live with so many dead bodies under your house? Like nothing. How can you go to sleep at night? <laughs> and you just got a book the other day from a, a book sale in one of our local bookstores about... Oh, uh, yeah. Edgar well, Allan Poe. Yeah, it was a bunch of his tales and stuff, but you were actually reading The Telltale Heart and asking me if I remember reading that as a 
younger and all that. And it's just crazy how Edgar Allan Poe, in his writings at least, talks about how that stuff eats on you and wears on you. And he described like the beating of the heart. And yeah. He just persisted. He could hear the old man's heart. And this guy over here is burying people under his house and <laughs> dumping bodies funny, in the but... river and the smell is in the house. Yeah. Acting like nothing is going on. That's crazy. Yeah, so he just fucking crazy. Um so finally on December twenty second, nineteen seventy eight, he just became up he became fed up with the surveillance. And he sat the detectives down and he told them about the killings. And of course Casey was just like, you know what? These guys were prostitutes and they were liars and they were hustlers and they were this and they were that and you know, let's not feel bad for them, you know, and he, he told them that if they weren't out walking the night, that this would have never happened to them, you know, and a lot of these boys that he killed were, were young, and to be specific, I think one of them was like 17 years old, and he started remodeling for Gacy's company, and he was trying to do this because he was trying to raise money for his racing car. And his name was Johnny Bovokic. Bavok- Bavok- I don't know. I'm sorry. But, you know, so we have 17, 17, 16, 17, 20, 15, you know, young, young men. That we're probably just trying to make ends meet. We're trying to support their families. We're trying to get money for themselves. And he called them all these things because he did not want to look bad. Like that would make it any better. <laughs> you just don't go kill a prostitute and bury them under your fucking house. <laughs> so he would actually torture these boys and he would handcuff them and he would strangle them. And then he would start drowning them in his bathtub And then just about when they were about to pass out, he'd revive them. And then he would start torturing them all over again. That's really messed up. How messed up is that? How messed up to do that to somebody? So. And it was really just like a game to him. If that's what you're you're trying to do. Yeah. Torture them. Almost make them pass out or die. And then revive them and keep doing it. Let's do it again. Yeah. Let's do it all over again. Those poor kids. Men. So. He went on to tell the detectives how that he stacked the bodies in the crawl space. And he provided a hand-drawn sketch of the placement of the 23 bodies buried in his home. And they were actually really accurate. Very accurate, yeah. Later on in an interview, because later on, after he admitted to everything, he said that he wasn't the killer, that it wasn't him, that the police didn't do a good enough job to get the real killers, and he was just an accomplice. All this, yada, yada, yada. And when they went to go interview the head detective, he actually told them, this guy spray painted like a stick figure of a body where he had buried him. And it was actually where the head was and where the feet were. Yeah. He spray painted it the right way. So, yeah, you're just an accomplice. No, <laughs> it's a pretty accurate description of where you had placed these bodies. And... They were trying to go into the crawl space, but the crawl space actually became flooded. And it was because of a part of a sump pump. What the hell is a sump pump? You don't know? 
My husband's a plumber, guys, and he's a noticeable. Great. Don't hire him. Great. <laughs> now they all know. Now the whole world knows. All two listeners, and that's probably me and you. Shut up. <laughs> so later on. It takes the water if it floods and pumps it outside so your basement doesn't flood. Thanks for that. God. They need to know. You ruined my reputation. Oh, my God. You right. said everybody not to hire me. Hire him, guys. <laughs> um. So when it became flooded, they were met with soaking wet purified flesh. Like, oh, my God. Ugh. You just like flesh floating in your basement. <laughs> so um, the trial began on February 6th in 1980, and he was charged for the 33 murders. Um, he had been charged with sexual assault and indecent liberties with a child. And the jury actually spent more than a little more than two hours deciding his fate, and they came back with 12 death sentences to be carried out. And he was incarcerated for 15 years. And he, he gave many interviews. He talked with reporters. And he, of course, he kept blaming the victims because they were runaways. That's why they got killed. And he actually, in one of the, there's an interview that he's talking to a reporter. And he actually shows him how he did the, the makeshift tourniquet or whatever it's called. No, oh, I haven't seen that. I, yeah, I need to look that he up. did it on his on the interviewer's wrist. Like, that's really freaking creepy. Like, to know that's how they died, and then the reporter sit there and interview him yeah, while he's doing that. The reporter gives him his wrist to do it on him, and Casey actually became a painter <laughs> in prison, and he painted a lot of his alter persona of the clown. And he calls this the 33 flavors of clown. <laughs> Let's not forget he killed 33 people. Yeah. But he says that it's be- it 33 flavors clown because it's um, it was a nod to a ice cream uh, building that he was doing work on. But I think that's too much <laughs> of a coincidence. It's like um, 31 flavors, but he has two more. I know. And then, <laughs> so it says that six victims were still not ad- identified. So it's pretty sad. Out of the 33, six of them. And so finally, he was put to death May 9th, 1994. <laughs> and I think this is so weird, too. His last meal was actually a, a bucket of KFC chicken, fried shrimp, strawberries, french fries, and a Diet Coke. KFC chicken? like Sounds like the American way. Do you think because... A bucket of chicken and Diet Coke. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, KFC because a nod to his ex-father-in-law? Or because you think he really enjoyed that KFC no, chicken? No. <laughs> but no, that's weird. That's kind of creepy, right? So, his father-in-law owed, owned three of those KFCs. And he was managing and then at least them. one of them, or if not more. Mm-hmm. And he went on to have KFC as his last meal. And you know how some people that are put on, like, death and, like, they're getting... Death row and all that. Death row. And they're actually going with the execution. How they say something like, 
weird and you're like what the hell what what does that mean what does it mean and you're just left wondering like what did what did he mean what did he say why did he say this yeah no gacy said kiss my ass (laughs) (laughs) those were his words going out kiss my ass and that's holy shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he didn't go out with there's a body in the house next door no (laughs) Kiss my ass. So, <laughs> yep. And that's where the end of Gacy. And, you know, we can go back to maybe it was because of what he endured as a child. But that just still doesn't excuse anything. I mean, you really choose who you are as you go along. And it's funny. I mean, part of the reason why we came up with the idea to do John and Gacy on our second episode. That was because on my way home from work a few weeks ago. Oh, yes. They were doing a a creepy hitchhiking Mm -hmm. stories. And they always ask for people to call in and tell their stories and all that. And I don't know if it was true or not, but there was actually multiple people Mm -hmm. that called in and said that they were picked up by John and Gacy and they didn't know it until years later. Yeah, I saw a lot of comments on some articles when I was looking at research for this topic um, that a lot of men that were in that Greyhound station believe that John Wayne Gacy went up to them yeah. and tried to pick them up, tried to offer them rides, tried to offer them places to sleep, but a lot of them rejected. And a lot of them to this day are left wondering, like, I, like they were persistent, like, I know it was him. And how how ugly <clears throat> to live with that years, years, and years later... Like, what if I was one of those victims? Oh, yeah. You know, that's such an ugly feeling. You might have barely gotten away. Yeah, definitely. Just by getting away, really. Mm-hmm. Not, get, not letting it go any further because some of the the people that called in were saying that, well, some just said that it was a guy that said he does clown stuff on the side and he had a clown suit in the back. And <laughs> when they saw his picture, it was the same guy, which yeah. was John Wayne Gacy. And some other people were saying that, that um he asked for sexual favors during a no oh, shit a ride on like hitchhiking and all that and they mm-hmm. refused and the, every he he would ask every once in a while and they kept refusing and every time that they refused he would get more and more anxious and was this it, men I think all of them all are men. men yeah all yeah. the colors are men all right so <laughs> and um they would ask to be let out of the car and he wouldn't stop at stop signs or red lights and he would keep driving. And Holy crap. Whenever they were trying to open the door, he would speed up and all that. So, I mean, who knows if it was true, but it sounds like something that Gacy would do. And Yeah. And really, if he had that many victims, who knows how many more he tried to Tried. His yeah. failed attempts, yeah. So, that's really crazy. You know, and this could have started all with the Brickies boy. You know, it, he but he didn't go as far as killing him. He just did the oral sex, and that ended at that. But even that, and then raping the employee, yeah, that wasn't enough either, because he could have kept going on with that, right? He could have kept raping and and trying to get sexual favors from young men, but what really set him off was the killings, you know. And it, isn't that so crazy to think like? You go everyday life and, like, you make eye contact with someone and you just never know, like, what's 
what's laying under there, you know? That's <laughs> really going on. Yeah, so, you know, and he was an everyday person uh, to what people said about him, that he was involved in this community, and he was this, and he was that, and he was so great. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are happy they didn't cross paths with him. Yeah. So that's our story for John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, guys, so thanks for listening. And like we said before, we wanted to make this a weekly podcast, and we still will. We're sorry. We got so sick. We got sick, and we were waiting for iTunes, and they finally approved it. <laughs> um, but, so we're gonna, we are going to do it a weekly podcast. We're going to do them Mondays. Yeah, we're going to try and aim for Mondays. We're going to have them out Mondays. So this one we're probably going to post <laughs> as soon as possible. So it won't be out probably till Wednesday. But Yeah, we'll see when this one's out. Um, um, but the next episode should be out on a Monday on iTunes. Get ready for my ghost story. <laughs> so, and we're going to be talking about our, my husband's culture. Very, very Mexican. <laughs> so, our culture. Um, we have a lot of Mexican myths coming up. We're going to be talking about the Yorona, the Chupacabra, and the Boo-Boo. I forgot the other one. So mainly about Mexican myths, and then I different went, folklore yeah. and stuff like that. Maybe not just Mexican, maybe just folklore in general, and and different. I mean, I've actually heard some crazy ones from the Philippines and stuff like that. So just to make it a longer, more educational filled episode, will include include a lot of folklore, uh, Mexican myths, just different stuff like that. Yeah. So we'll try to alternate if we can between conspiracy true crime and paranormal um but yeah we'll choose the episodes as we go and like we said if you guys want to suggest something or ask us something you can get to us contact us on bruisinaudis at gmail.com spelled all out and we do have an instagram as well Oddities spelled all out as well so let us know if you guys want to hear anything or if you guys want to let us know about a drink your favorite drink we'll definitely pick it up and Give it a try. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. Or if you've had some of the stuff we've tried, let us know, too, what you guys think about that. Maybe you guys will give us a better description than we give. <laughs> Hopefully not. But if you do, and uh, if you guys are listening to us, leave us a review on iTunes or or SoundCloud. Um, a review, preferably, or even just a rating. <laughs> we'd love to hear from you guys, so we'd really appreciate that. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you. See you next week on Bruising Oddities podcast. Bye.